Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages, welcome to episode 23 of the Two Pad Stack podcast, brought to you in partnership with Primetime Productions and our good friends over at SeatGeek. If you're looking for seats for a live event near you, check out SeatGeek and remember to use promo code 2 Pod to save 20 bucks off your first purchase. Uh, I'm your host, Ace, here once again. Uh, you may be surprised, but my wonderful co-host, uh, is actually tending net right now and cannot record uh, this week. So um, we have a, a, a fantastic guest uh, host joining me today. Uh, he does a lot of work over at Primetime Productions as well. You've seen him on Drop the Mitts. You've seen him put out some written content. Um, please welcome to the show, Tommy Bennett. How's it going, Tommy? Oh, it's good, man. It's a Monday. The bees kick off in about 17 minutes against the high-flying yeah. Colorado Avalanche and what will be kind of grueling of a week for the Bees, actually. Got, like, what, four games over the next seven days traveling out there? Out oh, west. yeah. Should be, and, and, man, it's going to be grueling for me. I, I am a grouchy old man when I have to stay up too late. And, uh, you know, thank God it's not 10 p.m. puck drops because I usually last until maybe the first intermission. Yeah. But, uh, you know, these 9 p.m. puck drops will, uh, you know, I, I'll – I can whine do and complain about them, but uh, it's I'll it's definitely stay up. It's amazing the hour before makes such 100%. a difference. Makes such a difference, and you don't think about it until you watch it. But it really helps. Yeah, you might might be able to get some live reaction during the game while we're recording this. We'll, that you would guys be. I'll have that. to see. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, have some cool stuff uh, in line for you guys on today's episode. Um, we're going to have an interview with the commissioner of the simulation hockey league. I haven't okay. talked too much about that. Um, his name is wannabe Finn WBF. Everybody kind of goes by their online monikers over there in the community, just so everybody can maintain their anonymity and their online persona. But, um, you know, Finn talks a little bit about what the league's all about, how it works and, you know, how you can potentially get involved if you want to, uh, you know, step into the world of what a hockey player really goes through. You know, you get a real authentic draft experience. You create a player. It's kind of like Dungeons and Dragons mixed with EA Sports NHL. So um, we'll chat with him. um, And then we're also going to have another edition of uh, the the two-pad stack hat trick with Patrick with some uh, some bets for you this week, uh, all for today's games. Uh, So today, as you're listening, is Tuesday, uh, January 9th. Um, Tommy and I are recording on Monday night, as we previously indicated on the eighth, but, um, the, uh, bets that'll be dropped will be for the ninth on Tuesday. So, um, right off the bat, Tommy, I want to, I want to kind of pick your brain here. You know, you, you're not just a bees guy. You're pretty well knowledgeable on a bunch of, uh, you know, teams and, and around the NHL, uh, from, from your perspective, what are your thoughts on, on, how Trent Frederick has really kind of come out of nowhere and become a, a legitimate middle six scoring threat for the Boston Bruins. I think this is what you wanted. I think that's maybe what you also needed. Like the Bruins didn't have the luxury of what maybe other teams had this summer. They didn't get to spend a lot of money. They went to the bargain bin. Granted, those have worked out tremendous. Even Trent Frederick's contract isn't, ex- isn't insanely expensive. Like many wondered what that would be. His uh, AAV is fairly low. And it just kind of makes you wonder, like, was last year a fluke? Like, you saw, like, Connor Clifton get the bag from Buffalo. Like, I know it's not a lot compared to, like, what other guys get, but for a historic season for the Boston Bruins, he got paid. So the Bruins paid, I think, Frederick accordingly, and they're wondering if it 
is going to pan out. And it is safe to say that that was not a fluke year. Like he has emerged as a legitimate power forward for the Boston Bruins. And it's amazing to see him come like into this role, you know, being buried on the fourth line, being a guy that drops the gloves, you know, kind of like the Sean Thornton type type role where he just, you know, is out there finishing his checks. He's going to drop the gloves. Now he's turned into like a solid two-way scorer and he's on pace for 25 goals and he's on pace, I think, for over 40 points, I want to say, if my man. Yeah. Is. It's it, amazing what he's doing, and a lot of it's coming at five on five. It, it's great, man, and I'll be the first to say I, I was probably one of his biggest, you know, uh, people that complained about him, and, and that, that's, that's because I always thought it looked like he was just kind of going through the motions, and he never really seemed to have that, that passion or that drive until mm-hmm. he was chucking mitts and that yeah. didn't happen enough for me to like justify what he was bringing to it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, from everything that I had heard, you know, Trent Frederick is a professional's professional and mm-hmm. you know, there's a, the kids like DeBrusque and, and pasta. And I'm not saying that, that these guys aren't good players are obviously high tier NHL players, but um, you know, they like to play video games and they like to go out and have fun. Frederick doesn't do any of that from what yeah. I've heard. Trent Frederick is like eat a very structured meal and don't go out and play. He doesn't play any video games. He like just takes naps for entertainment and like <laughs> just just it's a like, weird dude. It's like Nathan McKinnon has like a kale diet. Yeah, dude. Like he he eats, sleeps, and breathes professional hockey player. That's but awesome. um, you know, he had the personality of like a, a wet sponge to me, and I never really got behind him. But now that he is coming out there and and you can see every game, I feel like his confidence mm-hmm. with the puck on his stick and making plays is growing. And and I go, I, I, I have pie in my face here right now because I'm like, for the longest time, it didn't help when the Bruins made that pick that the management team came out and said, oh, yeah, well, we see him as a, a middle six player or like a bottom six player. Like, you don't draft a guy like that in the, in first, the first round. round. Yeah. Um, but shit, man, like I saw a recent stat. Like he's outscored uh, like 85% of the other first rounders from that draft so far. And, you know, he, it really seems like that development is, is, you know, shooting forward. And, and if he can continue to be that scoring threat Mm -hmm. that he's become and maintaining that level of like pugnaciousness and and being like, I'm going to score a goal, a beautiful backhand goal, run over your fucking goalie as I do it. And if you have a problem with it, I'll punch you in the face about it after. Like that's the shit that Boston fans adore. And if he can keep that going, I'll be the next guy to go out and buy a bootleg Trent Frederick fight club shirt. I forgot who put it on Twitter, but they were saying he's more of like this like era of Boston Bruins hockey version of like Milan Lucic and Nathan Horton from those years. And I kind of see it like the way he plays and the way he's been playing. It's like if he can be that effective power forward for the Bruins that can score goals like for him to pot 25 is huge. And I think as as the season goes on, like that's a guy you're going to need to be an X factor for you going forward, especially in the playoffs. Like say teams are king on Marshan and Pasternak, like that's the guy you want to be an X factor. And he's shown he can even drive his own line, which is yeah. really huge. Absolutely. And huge. I never would have thought of him as a, as a play driver. No. And, and as he continues to develop as more of a offensive threat, 
those players that he's going to start taking off of the ice in, in physical confrontations, it's going to evolve. He's not going to have to pair off with the fourth line goon every yeah. time. That person that he's going to be taken off is going to be like a Matthew Kachuk. Yeah. Like a legitimate contributor on the other line, a top line defenseman, that type of stuff. So when he when he drops the mitts, it's not going to be just like, okay, well, there goes Fred and then you know, some, uh, like some scut some schmuck from the fourth line that plays exactly like minutes a game, like yeah, you know, like Lemieux playing, or playing, whatever. <laughs> he's playing meaningful, he's playing meaningful minutes. And I think like just his five on five impacts is actually really it's really outstanding considering like where he's come from and like how he's gone. Like from this fourth line guy, it's like maybe he'll end up being like a Brad Marchand start on the fourth line. Not saying they're the same player, but start at the fourth line and you're really working your way to the top. And, you know, the Bruins really have something and credit to Montgomery too. Like, I think that's why they ultimately brought him in. Cause like Boston's always contending. They're always going to have a late pick. And, you know, you have these guys that maybe you see potential in, but haven't really come into their own. And maybe they needed that type of guy. And here's Montgomery, like tapping into these guys' potentials. That's a hundred percent correct, and and I mean, it, you you see him, Monty, come out in the in the post game pressers, and they're asking like, holy, like, Monty, what did you see out of Trent Frederick in this game, and and did that surprise you? And he'll be the first guy to be like, no, this doesn't surprise me. Freddie's one of the hardest workers, yeah. and he's got really good skating. You never think of it, but he when he gets going, he can skate with he basically said Frederick can skate with McDavid, which I think is hilarious in a vacuum. <laughs> but like <laughs> the guy is point. is jumping out there and he is sticking his neck out to protect, not protect, but like to empower and and yeah. magnify the abilities of some of these players that maybe in the past they had reason to doubt their own abilities and if they can be high-end contributors in the national hockey league. And, and that kind of empowerment I think is, is, is really important and goes a long way. So on, on that topic, Tommy, I'm curious about how you think that Monty handled Georgie Merkulov in his first NHL call up. It's almost, it's kind of like, like, where do you, I mean, where do you put him? you know, like in the lineup? I mean, I think he, he got his opportunity. He ended up back on the fourth line. Uh, he didn't really play kind a lot of minutes. Stapled to the bench for like an entire period at a time each game he was here. Which it seems to be a common theme with Montgomery. And, you know, you can chalk it up to however you see fit. Like, does he not trust them? Do they have to earn that trust? Like, it's not an co- uncommon thing. He's done it with Patro a ton. So, I mean, it was good for Merkulov to get his feet wet, I think, in the NHL. He, he maybe has yeah. – extra seasoning to do in Providence, but this is a guy that can legitimately try and crack the roster next year. Yeah. And I also think it sends the right message to the organization, not just the NHL, but like if you're working your rear end off in Providence and you are excelling, you know, you will be rewarded. So even if you're a journeyman, you know, player that's just signed with Providence for just a, a job, you know, if you, can continue to to work on your game and optimize who you are as a player. This organization isn't gonna just write you off just because you're not one of their draft picks, yeah. you know. Um, so I do think that that's really important. I I don't know if I necessarily agree with Monty's because because once again I just said empower the kids. Yeah, Monty, you did a great job with that with Frederick. I understand Frederick's not a 
you know, 19, 20 year old anymore. He is a, a an established NHL player. But um, the way I look at it is these kids are never going to develop into NHL effective players unless they are able to go out there and make the mistakes. And, and I understand that the Bruins are in a place where they need to try to win as many games as possible. Yeah. And these kids making mistakes can directly impact that. Mm-hmm. But um, I feel like some of the decisions he's been making with some of these players, it, it's just a little excessive on that front in regards to sheltering mm-hmm. them and protecting the team from costly mistakes. Well, what do you think about that, Tommy? Kind of a hundred percent agree. I mean, you kind of want them to, to learn from their mistakes. I mean, you like, you saw some of those games too, and you, and you guys have touched on this pod where like, you know, Patra made a mistake and then he, you know, learned from it the next shift and had a monster shift. It's, you know, you want to give the kids as much opportunity as possible. Obviously, if, you know, certain situations may present different, you know, different circumstances for them to be out there. But I think just sitting them on the bench for basically an entire third period because you're up two goals isn't exactly helping, you know, you in the long term either. Um, I, it's, I, it's hard to, like, judge him necessarily because, like, he's the coach and, and I'm not, but at some point you got to give these kids a little bit of, you know, you know, release the leash a little bit, you know? Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. Um, I would love to see Potter get more of like, uh, just, just go and get it done, dude. Like, and if you make a mistake, get right back out there. I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like his first game back, he had a monster game. Like after he came back from juniors, uh, talking about, the game tonight just because i saw the lines that just came out oh boy uh, have you seen this third line yet uh i don't think i have i don't think i saw maybe some practice lines but sometimes those kind of yeah yeah you know game time. danton heinen left wing okay Matt potra center okay Trent frederick right wing okay i think that third line is gonna be dangerous and that's, uh, that's a fairly effective line that i think can play fairly well together like frederick does really good work down low heinen is amazing along the boards efficient defensively great puck possession yes guy, Stanton heinen yeah and i think it helps potter too like it kind of takes pressure off him like he doesn't have to do necessarily as much and yeah those two guys like i mean as much as frederick's still young he's he's more of a veteran too he's you know he's played mm-hmm. compared to compared to potro and that could be a very sneaky line is uh jvr not in the lineup still out day to day Oh, that's right. He's hurt. Yeah, this is going to be his second game that he missed. Uh, upper body injury, from what I heard. I, I like that third line. I think that could be a really, really sneaky, sneaky good third line. Yeah, then there. So it's going to be Zaka, Geeky, Pasta, top line. That's, that's, Fr- friend of the show, Morgan <laughs> Geeky. Some, that somehow works. I don't know how we've gotten to the conversation where we have top line center Morgan Geeky, but here we are. <laughs> like, here we are. I mean, but it works. It, it's, it's the two pad stack bump, man. He came on the show and now he's blowing it up. It's awesome. Ever since he actually did that interview, he has been uh, lights out, man. Lights out. It's it's the irony is there, but it's worked. It's weird that it works, but it really makes you wonder. Like, not I don't think they'll do it now, but it just makes you wonder: Are they going to like move Zach at a wing and bring in like a legit center, like this summer? Yeah. Yeah, really well, I mean, they've got a shit ton of cap space. Like, yeah, like there's, they've been tying 
the Bruins to, and we can talk about this for a little. We're going to talk about this for a little bit. Okay, we're talking off season. Boston Bruins have a shit ton of cap space, and we're going to have yeah. plenty of time here with me and Burge to argue about how we're going to use it. But yeah. um, you know, with Tommy's here, I'm interested in Tommy's perspective. You know, the Bruins have been tied to Elias Lindholm. They've been tied to Noah Hannafin. Okay, so if you don't, I see you shaking your head. For those of you that don't watch our videos, we don't have a lot of videos that go out, but maybe maybe Tommy would be on the video there. Tommy's shaking his head when he heard the name Elias Lindholm. Who else? Who else would you sign as a center? I, that's a good question. Stamkos? Is I that the guy? Know, I don't know what else is out there. Stamkos I would not necessarily hate. I, I know you guys have talked about it on this, on this yeah. program, and yeah. I'm not opposed to it. I don't think he comes here just because he's played in Tampa his whole career. That I wouldn't mind. I just don't think Elias Lindholm is anything different than what you already have. Like, he doesn't drive his own line. He's got less points than both Coyle and Zaka right now. He benefited from playing with 200-plus point wingers in Goudreau and Kachuk. I don't think giving him the contract he wants is... Doesn't I don't think it makes you better. Like I think Zaka and Coyle are just as efficient defensively, and they make half of what his contract is probably projected to be. Keep, keep, keep chatting, but I'm looking. I'm pulling up his J Fresh card right now. So he's um, he's pretty efficient defensively. He's having a fairly down year offensively, and I don't think the camp. I don't like Jonathan Huberto hasn't been what he's been since signing there. I don't know what happened to that guy after he got traded, but his production just died. And it's awful because Huberto was a machine in Florida. Dude was so much fun to watch. But Lindholm just has not produced anywhere since Kachuk left and Gaudreau left. And he just can't drive his own line. I, I just, I don't think that, may, I think he's like a borderline like second line center and you basically have that mm -hmm. recoil. I just don't think it makes you better or gives you anything different. Like if you're going to get a top line center, go, go get one. If, if there is one out there, which I don't, I don't even know is. if there is, I don't even there know isn't. if there is like this free agency class was fairly stout down the middle. And now it's not, I would have loved Sebastian Ajo, but that was probably not happening. Yeah. He's, there's he's um... a mega deal. I, I I think that Elias Lindholm would be good for the Boston Bruins because he can handle those big minutes for the defensive mm -hmm. responsibilities. He can be that that uh, that centerman that puts Zaka in a place where he doesn't have to be that guy that has to insulate the Austin Matthews of the world, and it lets him just be creative and play with David Pasternak and be that you know matchup breaker. Um, and and you know we're we're desperately missing a defensive center that we can put out there for important mm. face-offs. The Boston Bruins are getting hemorrhaged at the face-off dot. You know, yeah. they fought tooth and nail to bring that game back against the Pittsburgh Penguins. They fought all the way back from five to two to tie it up. Yeah. And then bad penalty face-off loss yep. game's done. You put Lindholm out there, win a fucking draw, dump the puck games over and you don't have to worry about it. And I, I, I'd even say that, 
you know, probably some of those defensive gaffes and miscues that happened would be mitigated. And and he is still producing at a decent level. I don't think anybody over in Calgary is doing tremendously well. You know, they have legitimate high-end NHL players. They have Jonathan Huberto, who's a 100-point player. He's playing like dog shit. They have Nazem Kadri, who was really strong for the Colorado Avalanche as a 2C. He's playing like dog shit. Like, a lot of these players are still really good, but they're being forced to play for Calgary in a garbage arena, garbage practice facilities. You know, put a player like Elias Lindholm in Boston with high-end, high-end. I'm not saying Calgary is a bad fan base. If you're a Flames fan and you're listening to me, I'm sorry. It's not what I'm alluding to. (laughs) You need a new arena. You need new, uh, like, amenities. You need all that shit. You know, sometimes you take a player from a bad environment and you put them in a good environment, they blossom. And I think that you take Lindholm, you look at his underlying metrics, you put him with the like other Swedish players, you put him with Olmark, you put him with the other Lindholm, you know, he could very well flourish and, and blossom into more offensive creativity. But, you know, he really brings something that I think the Boston Bruins desperately need. And if you can get him without trading anything in free agency, yeah. like you might have to overpay a little bit, like eight million a year for like that's the four furthest years. I would go. Yeah, and I think that's um, fair given the center market and what players have signed at that position. But I would not give him like nine. I wonder if he's doing a Timo Meyer thing where he's just raising the price for Calgary because it's Calgary, right? Like maybe like, he would why take wouldn't less. you? Like if he's like if he's gonna take eight, like I'll sign him for eight. That's fine. That like I can yeah. live with that. But yeah. uh, anything more than that, like no, I'm I'm okay. Yeah, and I mean you also have to look at it this way. You know, we're already starting to see it, but um, the cap's going to continue to go up, right? Yeah. As as hockey related revenue continues to be um, something that is growing, and now that the escrow is going to be paid off, it's not going to be these. Oh, the cap's going to go up by seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars this off season. It's going to no. be higher than that. Yeah. And I don't want to set the expectation that it's going to go up like five million every off. It's not going to do that, but like it's going to be more. And yeah. if you can sign Lindholm to like a five-year deal at eight mil, it might be like, oh, that was a little rough the first season. But Three seasons into that deal, that's going to be like, holy shit! Like, look at Lindholm's deal. Like yeah. he's out, and if he does do what I'm alluding to, if he's able to go out there and and produce at a true first line, second line center rate. You know, you look at what Toronto's paying their top three forwards right now. Like, if you can get Lindholm out there, who can actually cover people, unlike Marner, Matthews, and Nylander, which I am still salty that Nylander didn't hit the market because I would have loved to sign him to that. I can't, I can't. Toronto would have signed. Yeah, I can't believe. I don't know what they're gonna do. That's gonna. I'm, I'm actually ready for that this summer because I. What are you gonna do? The amount of holes on that roster. Good luck icing a competitive hockey team. That can actually compete. I mean, got a lot of holes on that roster. And oh my god, they have to wait until that that Tavares contract comes off the books before that's, two, the, that's like two more years. It's like uh, yeah, he's under contract for this year and next year. And I still remembered. I don't know if you paid attention back then, but when uh, when Tavares hit free agency and he did his whole like courting thing, do you remember? Like the Bruins are like one of the final four teams involved. Yeah, I think it, I think that like lit a fire under David Krejci. He's like, okay, yeah. you, you want to replace me? Then he came back with like a vengeance. Once that contract got signed, I was like, there's no way this is going to age well. There's just no way, and it didn't. Yeah, that was five years ago, through. I think. Yeah, like, like it was like literally right when I moved into my new house. 
um i was in my basement and i was like eagerly like refreshing like rage refreshing yeah, on it twitter it was so close it was like yeah. the bruins were really like in the mix and it was like yeah. they're really gonna do this and i'm like like fortunately like thank god they didn't because that contract just is not gonna age well i'm just curious what they're gonna do yeah, it'll be this offseason is going to be fascinating. And I think that um, I don't know what PTP is going to do, but I would love to do like a live free agency show for the two pad stack. And if awesome. um, if you got nothing going on, I'd love to have you on. Yeah, um, dude. I just would so we can do some live cover, reaction. Cover the free agency a little bit because there's a lot of teams that have a lot of cap space, but a lot of holes to fill. Oh, yeah. So Absolutely. that's going to be really, really exciting stuff. Yeah, I would love to do that. We can talk about that totally down the road. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then and then Hannafin too. That he's I would a love. UFA. I would love that. Sign sign me up. I think throw a five year deal at, yep. at nine million at Hannafin. Yep. Sounds great. Just bring him in the door. I mean, if he wants to come here, just just figure out what he wants and just do it. I mean, I think Matt Grizzlick's days are numbered. I, I think it's just a matter oh of time. God. I don't know if he gets dealt this deadline. Um, it kind of wouldn't shock me if he, he should have been dealt, dealt two deadlines ago. Probably, um, I think it's just his days are numbered, and I think the emergence of Lowry kind of helps. Still has he still has bumps in his game too, but it's like you can part ways with uh, Matt Grizzlick and yeah, yeah. But I also think Lowry, like those warts that you saw in his first few games, where I'm like, holy shit, like this kid has the tools, but he yeah. still is like struggling out there. Those amount of the amount of times that I've I've been like watching Mason yeah. Lori play has gone down exponentially in yep. the last like five games that I've watched him play. It really seems like it's kind of clicking what you know he's understanding what he can and can't do out there. Yeah. Like what what may have flied, you know, flown in, in the AHL and, and at Ohio State and, and what doesn't, doesn't in fly the in NHL. The NHL. Exactly. He he seemed to really get that faster than what i anticipated and and i do think that you know after the first few games i was like okay this kid's good but he needs to like spend the rest of the season in providence i don't feel that way anymore yeah, like he is out there and he brings you know a, a level of creativity to the blue line that i haven't really seen from anyone else um other than maybe like charlie mcavoy and hampus Lindholm at times where they're trying to really push the pace and be play drivers and not that you know reliable two-way defender um, but just just the the the, the crafty little self passes that he does when the the forward is is applying pressure on him, he'll just like bank it off the the boards to himself and go right around the forechecker, or you know just do a, a quick little deke to get right around him. And I'm like, holy shit! It's been a long time since I saw a defenseman do that in a Bruins jersey. So I, I'm I'm really excited to to keep him on this roster. I yeah. I wish that. And the reason why I said a couple seasons ago for Grizzly is I feel like, unfortunately, due to his performance, his trade value has kind of decreased in the last year and a half. You know, two years ago, he had all the beautiful underlying metrics, fresh off signing a new deal. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he would have been super appealing to a team like the Edmonton Oilers, like that a lot of people have always been kind of tying him to. Now I, I just feel like, we'd be lucky to get like a fourth round pick for Matt Grizzly at the deadline before we could get like a second easily. Yeah. And, a second I mean, is kind of what there. you at least want, especially at the deadline where teams typically overpay for defensemen anyway. But I think his days are numbered. I love Noah Hannafin. Uh, uh, top four of Hannafin, 
Lynn Holm, Carlo McAvoy. That sounds so good. Oh my god! And then you have Low Ride at the bottom, and I would be very open to bringing Shattenkirk back. Yeah, let let Shattenkirk run PPQB one. Like yeah. I honestly think he looks better at QB one than what Charlie McAvoy does. I think McAvoy is trying to do too much. Um, yeah. McAvoy is a very dynamic, elite five on five defenseman. But uh, I think he he tends to overthink things a little bit when the power play starts. And Shaddy just seems to have that. It's simple. Uh, yeah, but he's still creative. Yeah. And he's able to see stuff without really, like, it almost seems like Charlie McAvoy need like, the gears have to really be turning. And he overanalyzes things. It just comes to Shattenkirk naturally. He just kind of knows. And maybe that'll change with McAvoy as he gets older and becomes a little bit more of a grizzled veteran. Yeah. But I do feel like Kevin Shattenkirk has always kind of been this type of player. He's always been yep. that cerebral, offensive, creative player. Now, I, I want to bang my head against the wall when I see him in the defensive zone sometimes. But, you know, what 34-plus-year-old veteran defenseman yeah. that's offensive in nature doesn't make you feel that way. So you got well, to have to be good It also could be part of, like, who he's paired with sometimes. It's true. Like, like, he, like being paired with Derek Forbert at times, like, has been – just, I mean, he's got to bail him out more times than I can count. What a terrible signing that forward deal was. <sighs> and to, and and that was the guy that they thought would be paired next to McAvoy. Unbelievable. <laughs> like, I can't believe that was the guy <laughs> that you thought would be a top pair next to Charlie McAvoy. Oh, how yeah. far we've come. I mean, now, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I've been on the uh, punt, I've been on the punt Forbert to like the sun since like the summer, but it's like but his penalty kill metrics, Tommy is penalty I, kill. See, last year that was like how I felt, and then when Dmitry Orlov came in and the penalty kill was pretty much fine without him, I'm like, why are we even playing him in the playoffs? Like, I, I'm like the penalty kill is it's still fine without him, so now he's on yeah. LTIR. Keep him there. Use his cap and you put Darla on LTIR too. Is that how it works? Uh... <laughs> do what you can. The uh, brusque. Wow. Is, how do you think is, things this, are going, with Jake? Will, this will always be an interesting topic because I, I I think like everybody likes the brusque. He's an easy guy to root for. His underlying metrics are fantastic. He he really gives it his all every game. Like, and his metrics prove that. I think the expectations for him are set higher than what maybe they need to be. Like, he is pegged to be the guy to maybe score behind Pasternak when maybe it maybe it's almost time, like, just to accept him for who he is. He's a great, effective, defensive-minded winger that can chip in offensively. More middle six than top six, in my opinion. I'm very curious what they do with him. It's very tricky. Uh, like, do you do you move him? Do you keep him? Do I keep Jake. I, I keep Jake DeBrus right now. Pay, do you pay him? Like, it's very. It's a very interesting situation. I think he's been on a heater lately, and I think it's great. He's he's always been a streaky player. I think Jake is a great player. I think he's a very effective player. I think he is perfect for this Bruins team. I think it's. I think I've just learned to accept him for for who he is as a player instead of expecting him 
for what maybe he's been projected to be like Jake DeBrusk has to be the top six winger behind Pasternak. It's like, maybe he does it. Maybe he is suited for the third line and maybe can be an effective middle six winger that will give you production, but also be responsible in his own end. hundred percent. And and I think that honestly, this, this dip in his production could easily be a blessing in disguise for the Boston Bruins because he's not going to command nearly as much in you know comparables in the marketplace and you can tap him on the shoulder and say hey jake you know we don't need you to go out there and score that coast to coast goal every game if you can do it for us awesome what we need you to do is be that responsible winger that we can put out there when the opposition has pulled their goaltender and has an extra attacker and you can win those battles on the boards and use your foot speed to generate you know, empty net opportunity. His like two of his last four goals have been empty net goals. Yeah, and that is a that's not a bad thing. Everyone, like, for, I keep all for hustle. Like it's all yeah, effort. exactly. Like it is hard to to get empty net goals because you have to win a battle against not just yeah. one person, two people. Yeah. And he's using his his defensive awareness and he's using his speed and he's the Bruins have had a hard time getting out of the periods at the, in the third period with leads. And since Jake DeBrusque has been in that role of closing out games and Jim Montgomery has, has showed faith in him, it's gone better. And yeah. he's, he's, he's producing. So um, I signed Jake, I signed Jake. I say, Hey, you're, you're a defensive middle six winger what we really value here. You were drafted here. We developed you. Yep. We've invested a lot in you already. We'd like to keep you here. Sign with us four years mm-hmm. at 4.5. That's perfect. That's that's honestly what I would do. I, I, I think like if, if you had this conversation this past summer after what he did, yeah, he's probably making Brandon Hagel type money. Yeah. He, he's he's getting like $6 million a year, I think. And you know, it's it's probably a blessing in disguise for Don Sweeney that he probably doesn't have to go those lengths. But I still think, like, even if you keep him at four and a half, that's four and a half, five. I, I still think that's perfect. Like, you have the money. I, I'm 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 very hopeful that a Jeremy Swayman extension is, is coming. Yeah, yeah. Um, on that note, I'm curious. We've talked about this ad nauseum here on the pod with me and Burge. Oh yeah, are you a keep both goalies guy? Uh, are you my a choose is, a goalie? My stance has been really weird. Like I've gone back and forth, and I think it was Brett, and he kind of he made a point. Yep, that was I, I never really looked at it the, that way till he said it, and it kind of made me change my narrative. I think I, it's so hard to say, and it's goaltending is so important in this league, and. You know, the Bruins have a luxury that no other team has. You know, the Bruins don't just have one good goalie. They have two good goalies. Uh, Some teams barely have one good goalie, and then other teams barely have an effective backup goalie. I, ever since Brett made the point of, you know, because everyone talks about, you know, paying goalies $10 is a lot. No, paying one goalie $10 is a lot. And Brett's point was, like, what if you lock down Swayman for six, maybe, and you get Olmark to sign a similar deal? Okay, that's a combined, like, 11, which really isn't that bad. The Islanders are doing it. Yeah, Sorokin makes most of that, but the point is, is they've got 
a two-headed monster in that. Now, granted, Sorokin has looked very uncharacteristic this year, but the point is, like, you know, they're they're paying two goalies that much, and it, it's still okay. I'm at like if that's what you can do for the Bruins, why not? If that's what's kind of like helping you with success in net, why not? I, I, I'm kind of all for that at that point. Like, if you're to pay Jeremy Swayman ten million, yeah, that's absolutely nuts. Like that, you don't keep both goalies. That's insane. Right. But if they're both to make a combined ten, eleven million, I, I'm okay with that. Is is Brandon Bus? Is he ready? If he's not no. ready, like, what are you gonna do? Like, give. I mean, I think if you really are to choose, I think you choose Swayman. I think that just logically makes sense given his age and the way he's played. But I'm I'm actually really okay with paying both at, at a combined like eleven million. That's fine. I think I think they like each other so much that I think if Olmark had to take another contract, it would be a team or team friendly deal. Yeah. I really like their I mean, bond, their bond goes beyond the ice. Like, like the goalie hug is whatever. It, like that goes beyond the ice. Like their 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 relationship. Like, like I think they would actually do what they could to stay together. Honestly. Yeah, I could see that too, and I think there's definitely some some value toward that. Um, oh my God, the Bruins are outshot seven to two so far. So, I just finally got the stream up. Um, Yikes. Yeah. Uh, so um, I'm curious. Uh, we had the uh, – so a little bit of news come out of the league today. Nice. Uh, Love news. Yeah, news is fun. Uh, Flyers have traded um, Julian Gauthier to the Anaheim Ducks for Jamie Drysdale and a second-round pick. Nice. What do you think about all that? And, and if you're there's Duck, if, you're, if you're a Ducks fan, that's like Chef's kiss right there, right? That, that that kid is insanely talented, and apparently, like from what I've read, like he just, he did not want to play in Philly, and he did not want to meet with management. So maybe Philly felt like they had to force their hand a little bit, and they kind of took what they could. Now trading for Drysdale is an extreme wild card because he's never healthy. So the Ducks yeah. gave up a second round pick and a guy who's never been healthy that they just Cutter got you. I said Julian, whatever. To a bridge deal. I love the deal for, for the Ducks. I mean, you got you can move Zegers to wing, you can put Carlson down the middle and Gautier down the middle, and you got your one two punch of youth for however long. It's insanely talented. Plus your wings are fine. McTavish, Terry uh, all-star Bruins legend Frank Vetrano. That's wild to me. The, the Springfield star. rifle. It's not as bad as the fact that uh, Bedard probably won't play the all-star game and Dickinson is his replacement. Oh, my God. Not, not to mention Adam Fantilli didn't get in, but Boone Jenner did. <laughs> I I hate the all-star game. I'm not even going to get into it. I can't stand it. It's such a joke. But I love the deal for the Ducks. I think Philly kind of like forced their hand a little bit. They get a second round pick, but I mean, what do you do with a guy that likely doesn't want to sign and just 
pretty much doesn't want to meet with you to hear your future plans and doesn't want to play. Like, what do you do? Yeah. You're in a pickle there. Uh, I mean, you've got to basically figure it out and uh, understand what the hell you can get out there. I mean, that that's a good kind of like safety net deal. You know, he went out there and he got a former really highly touted defensive player. Yeah. Um, maybe it's a reclamation project. Like I said earlier, you know, you bring a player out of a, a loser I, I'm sorry, Ducks. Like you guys no, are, are a loser are. franchise. Um, he's never been involved in another organization. He's been there every time he played for the Ducks. They've been a losing franchise. So maybe you bring Drysdale to a new organization, and maybe things change. And ultimately, you know, health concerns are definitely valid. You know, yeah. Um, he's had one healthy season. Yeah. Not. Good. But it also it also means like you know maybe there's an issue with the. Uh, personal trainers in Anaheim, maybe new medical professionals. Uh, you can help him maybe not being utilized as a top pairing defenseman when you're not a top pairing defenseman will help you. Um, so who knows whatever happens with Jamie Drysdale, you know, you, the flyers went out there and you have a player that chose that they didn't want to be part of their organization. And they were able to get a second round pick from Anaheim. That's going to be like a late first, no yep. matter what. And they're able to get a really good player and well, uh, a player that has op, you know, potential in Jamie Drysdale. It's not the worst that they could have done. You know, they could have easily have been a situation like when uh, the the um, New York Rangers traded for Adam Fox. Yeah. You know, they got a th- they they traded like a third round pick yeah. for yeah. a Norris winner to the yeah. Carolina Hurricanes because Fox said, "I'm not signing with you guys." Yeah. And Carolina's like, fuck, well, what do we do? And and Fox is like, I only want to play for New hand. York. Right. Yeah not, yeah, not every trade goes down like the Eric Lindros trade back in the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I honestly think that the Flyers did okay with the hand that they were dealt. They probably could have done a better job on the scouting side of things. Probably could have done a better job communicating with the agent. But, um, you know, all things in, in consideration, I don't think that they did too poorly. No, um, they did fine. Give let's go ahead and Let's throw it over to Pat for the uh, hat trick with Patrick. Um, he's got some good picks for you today. So uh, hopefully you can go ahead and make a little bit of cash. So I'm going to throw you over there right now. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to Pad Stack fans. And welcome back to the two Pad Stack hat trick with Patrick. I'm Patrick. We're four and two so far. Let's make some money. First, for Tuesday, January 9th, 2024, I have the Edmonton Oilers at Chicago over six and a half goals scored at minus 130. Yes, I think even without Badar, Chicago showed they can score goals against teams, and I like the Oilers to put up a couple in Chicago. I got the Calgary Flames money line to win over the Ottawa Senators. That's minus 142. This is a bounce back after the aforementioned Blackhawks beat the Flames the other day. And finally, I this is a big one, but it is the Boston Bruins minus one and a half on the puck line to win by two or more goals. That is plus 150 at Arizona. I'm aware of the home ice advantage here as it stands, but I can see the Bruins 
continuing their ways and beating teams. When when they do beat teams, they generally beat them by two or more. So that is the two pad stack, Patrick with Patrick. I am Patrick. Thank you for listening. All right, and there's your picks. Um, as as our good friend Pat usually does, he threw us Bruins fans a bone in there, so that he uh, thinks that the bees are going to get it done with a, uh, um, you know, buy two goals over the Arizona Coyotes. Um, Go bees! Not, not sure if I necessarily agree with that, but hey, I hope it happens. That'd be um, nice if it did. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Tommy, we talked a little bit about this before we started recording. You, you dabble in sports betting at all? Uh, so the state of North Carolina doesn't actually allow you to bet yet. So mm. I haven't, but I've learned a lot of sports betting uh, just doing the articles with uh, Pat. He'll pick a daily bet that he thinks uh, is a wise decision to make, and uh, I try to find the stats to justify that bet. As of right now, it's not today's bet is not working out. <laughs> so we are on a very very bad losing streak uh, to start 2024 to say the least what was today's bet uh, i think he chose uh rangers money line what's the score over there uh, last i checked it was five to three last i checked it was five to three in the third which is not not ideal not fun Gotcha. Let's see. Yep, five to three in the third. Yeah, not yeah. good. All Jesus, right. what are the bros? Are the Rain- Rangers are losing. Yep. Hell yeah, I like that. Yep. Let's go. Good clear. Good clear. All right. All right. Sorry, I'm watching the bees game as we're doing this. Um. All right. So I think uh, we're gonna actually go ahead and send us send the uh, listeners over to the interview with the commissioner of the simulation hockey league right now as well. So um, yeah, definitely. It was a fun interview chatting with Finn. Uh, Enjoy it. Learn a little bit about the community. If you want to learn more, uh, send me a message on discord. I've been a member of the SHL community since uh, 2011. So I'm on 13 years now that I've done this as my nerdy little hobby that doesn't involve talking about the Bruins online. So um Take a peek at that and and hit me up if you want to learn more and, and we'll send you over there right now. All right, and we are here with uh, Wannabe Finn, the commissioner of the Simulation Hockey League. Uh, WBF, how's it going, man? Oh, it's going all right. How about you? Not bad, not bad. Another day in paradise. We've got about you know uh, six inches of snow on the ground here in New Hampshire. Um, so it was yeah, some we fun. Pretty, we got a pretty decent amount here. Not that much though. It didn't really didn't really stick too much. Yeah, I went to I went to the brewery this morning to work, and it wasn't bad driving in, but driving home around three, four o'clock, it was. Uh, it made me glad I have an all-wheel drive vehicle today. But it, it was honestly nice, <laughs> Absolutely. though, because it makes us realize that hell, it's January, and this is like the first winter storm that we've had so far. And uh, yeah, you know, it's been I, such like, a what the hell is going on this year. Yeah, I'm sitting here looking at the snow, and I'm like, ah, I'm not ready for all this. And then I'm like, oh yeah, it's January, like. I'm- thankful it's been this long <laughs> yeah no shit. holding it's it like, off like what a, what's going on here um otherwise but but yeah it's all so i'm really excited to have you on here um we haven't talked about it much on the pod before but uh you know i've mentioned it to burge my co-host that you know i've been a member of the simulation hockey league shl 
for uh, hell 13 years now, um, which is really kind of shocking to say. Um, but I, I wanted to kind of share with some of the fellow, uh, you know, hockey fans that listen to the pod about the uh, the community here. Um, I wanted to kind of throw it at you. So obviously you're you're the face, of, you're the Gary Bettman of the SHL. Yeah, um, yeah a little bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're, you're the Gary Bettman. So, you know, as of today, like how many members are there in the community? And it doesn't need to be an exact number, but Ooh. how many people are, are participating? Um, So by our recent checks on our... Uh our weekly activity posts we're getting somewhere between uh about 400 420 users um mm -hmm. so that's just kind of our our weekly checks i'd say if you probably looked at a seasonal basis um i don't have the exact numbers in front of me right now but i wouldn't be surprised if that spiked up to about 450 mm. or something like that because you know some people are just a little more infrequent with how often they check in but we're uh we're pretty big in size right now and um i mean that's just the currently active users we've had thousands of people come through the website over the years and um everyone who has ever made a player you know they are uh they're a part of the history they're part of the mm. story um even if they're not still around so yeah yeah um, for sure well i guess I, let's throw it back even further like give me your elevator pitch in your perspective finn what what is the simulation hockey league how would you describe because when when you're inevitably somewhere in public and you're looking mm -hmm. at someone with something shl related on a device whether it's a laptop or a phone and somebody mm -hmm. looks at you and they see your screen they're like what the fuck are you doing yeah you no that's happened that's happened to me so much um i guess the the easiest way for me to kind of um explain it to people is just it's it's fantasy hockey and uh it, it's not fantasy hockey in the traditional sense like a espn or a yahoo league it's more like uh it's like fantasy hockey mixed with uh maybe like some dnd type things mm -hmm. mixed with uh, uh like a nhl be a pro type mode um and, you know that's just from the player perspective when you start looking at the perspective of what it's like to be a gm in the league and things like that it's very similar to the franchise mode in the ea uh franchises and you know we we base our game off of the franchise hockey manager simulation mm. found on steam so um you know it's it's just uh it's kind of a game within a game that we've created we kind of ascribe our own meaning to the players because each player is individually controlled by uh you know a real person out there there's no well up until this season there are no bots in the league um we every single user is a real person behind every single player and i think that's one of the most unique aspects of the league is that yeah um, you you know you could i was a big fan of sitting and playing franchise mode and things like that for many years and, and i still was even after i joined the shl but um in terms of you know long-term interest and long-term staying power is just so much more engaging to get involved in a community where you actually have people and real decisions being made and real conversations that aren't just prompted Absolutely. by some uh by some game dev who you know just wrote some code and you get the yeah. same you know you may get a variety of responses but it's you know the same three or four canned responses you know you get a lot of interesting people that come through uh the community people of all ages and all uh from all over the world. I mean, we've had people
from so many different European countries, people from Southeast Asia, people from Australia, mm -hmm. obviously North America is where the most of our users are, but we have people all over the world. And I mean, hell, we had someone living in Ghana that was um, an active user in the SHL. And I think that's just insane. I've is. had the that's opportunity. So cool. I've had the opportunity in this league to just talk to so many different people and see so many different perspectives. And uh, I think that's what makes the league truly unique. Um, on top of the fact that it's it's a free league, you do not have to pay yep. to be involved in it. Um, it. There are costs associated with keeping the league running, but that is not something we ever put on the the community. That is all, always handled. Um, you know that that's above the pay grade of of just your average user. So it's it's a free mm -hmm. thing and it's a live community. So that's that's just the best way I can describe it. Yeah, no, it's great. And I, I think you hit the nail on the head. The other thing I would add to that is that it's not just every player that's an individual user. Every team that you're in interacting with on whether it's juniors or in the big leagues in the SHL is also being managed and run by a real person. So um, these GMs, like Finn was talking about, you know, they have to manage their draft capital. They have to manage their budget. They have to manage their everything their tactics with real people in mind yeah and, you have to manage uh, the locker room i mean player relations you have to manage exactly. your your relations with other general managers because you know you can't just go up to another team and force you know force 10 different proposals for a player and force a trade through you know you have to have real negotiations right. real considerations for the you know the relationships and um everything at play there's a lot of variables and i think that's what keeps it the most uh fun and exciting league that i've ever been a part of yeah well there's a reason why you've been here for so long how long have you been a member of the community finn yourself uh a while i'm now. coming up on that. i'm coming up on 10 years june oh, wow. of this year will be 10 just years a baby. for me yeah it's <laughs> just, just a baby compared to you <laughs> yeah i'm at i'm at 13 years now so that that's a great example of just the staying power of the community here and and the really cool thing for me as somebody that has a lot of tenure in this community is seeing the the development of the people around me you know the people that i first saw come into the league five years ago are very different people than the very same users that are here today like the the personal development i've seen out of these people as they continue to go down the road of life um and, and it's fascinating because it does this community does have that staying power there's a lot of people that come and go you know, as is any online community, there's going to be that, you know, degree of, uh, you know, turnover. Um, but um, I've made a lot of friends that I didn't even know were in my direct community just because of my time in the SHL. So um, really fun, really great community. If you love hockey, if you love role playing games, check it out. Um, if you have any questions, uh, I'll toss. Finn, do you do you have a do you have a Twitter account? Uh it's a little bit inactive now, but mm. um, it should be at Finn Wannabe, just, you know, the flip-flop of how my name's displayed on the screen. Yep. Um, I do still have access to the account. I, I don't really actively tweet from it right now. Sure. I do have the app, so, you know, any uh, direct messages or tags, I'm sure I'll get a, a notification about it. But, um, cool. you know, you know I, we did have you know, focused on having real Twitter accounts for this league, but we kind of moved away from that because of, uh, you know, we would have started to have to pay a pretty hefty fee for Twitter's API access. And uh, mm -hmm. 
we just moved away from that for something a little more engaging for our own community, something yeah. we developed in-house. And that's that's another huge thing about our community. And like you've said, seeing how things develop over the years is just over the years, if we've as we've grown as a community and added people with such incredible skills that they've been able to develop our own proprietary um features i mean we we've developed our own automated update portal for our players that uh so many leagues that have been in our kind of niche they were never you know this is kind of like i wouldn't say it's necessarily the first of its kind but it's it's the best of its kind and it only gets better um and it's not just that i mean we have trading cards virtual trading cards mm -hmm. we have a, an entire banking system that is automated um I mean, I could just go on and on about all the great things that over the years we've added and are going to continue to add to uh, to make our community arguably the best free community to be involved with as far as hockey fandom goes. I mean, I know I know the Reddit team subreddits are you know probably going to get you a little more action on team specific discussions, or maybe you want to go on HF boards or something like that. But um, at the end of the day, I think the the kind of connections you make here. And the kind of engagement that you get is just bar none. No, I, I hundred percent agree. And and there are like those individual team groups that you can connect with. Like I know myself, this is predominantly a Boston Bruins podcast. I have a Boston Bruins fan group Discord that I've created for all the SHL members that are Boston Bruins fans. Because let's be honest, the vast majority of people that aren't Bruins fans hate Bruins fans. So we like to just kind of hang out in our own little world. Yeah. Um, I mean, but, we've uh, got the same for, uh, for the jackets fans. We've got our nice. own little server because, you know, yeah, you, you end up meeting people in other servers and you start to kind of take over conversations. And so we've, we've kind of separated into that, but yeah, absolutely. Like you said, I mean, I'm sure there's even more like that. I'm sure there's one for the Canucks and so there's probably one for the Leafs, hundred percent, all kinds of stuff like that. And and it's so cool. Like I said earlier, like I've met people that I would have never met otherwise through the SHL. And we've ended up, I actually got one of my buddies a job that I knew through SHL. And we hung out. I was, started talking about, you know, personal interests and careers. And he's like, yeah, I'm currently looking for a job. I was like, well, what do you do? And I ended up bringing his resume to where I worked and I got him a job. And, and it, that's just a good example of, you know, the camaraderie and the friendship that you end up creating with this community just because it's so tight knit. Um, but myself, I haven't said this to the listeners yet. I, myself, I'm a general manager in the league. I'm the GM of the Winnipeg Aurora. I actually have a uh, Winnipeg Aurora tattoo that I got when I was, uh, you know, about two and a half years deep into the job. Um, but it's it's a hundred percent free, like Finn said. There's no proceeds or profits or anything that you get by by you know or that the league gets by you joining. It's completely up to you um, to make whatever you want out of it. Uh, you start as a juniors player, you get drafted to a juniors team, you kind of cut your teeth and see what the league and community is like at that point. And then you get drafted to the big league team. But just because you get drafted, it doesn't mean that you're getting called up. It's not your time in the show yet. You're going to be sent back down to your juniors team to, to continue to be developed. Kind of like how, um, you know, uh, any, you know, top tier prospect that's not named Connor Bedard would be returned back to their juniors team in the, uh, you know, uh, CHL. Uh, you would go back to your uh, SMJHL team 
try to you know get to your higher end development and win a four star cup, which is uh, our version of the Memorial Cup. And then when you're ready, when you're ready to play with the big dogs, you'll be called up to play in the SHL. Yeah, uh, and, you know, um, we don't have a how should I describe the development in the league? Um, there, there's never really going to be a McDavid type of player. You know, right. you're not, you don't expect in this you're, league from day one to just dominate the league. That's not. Yeah, going you're to not going to be that's, a generational talent. That's, that's, that's not, a thing not that how our. That's not how our development works, right? And so we base um, developing our players on something called TPE, total points earned. And you earn these points through various tasks. Um, sometimes it's um, a written task. We may ask you to write 25 words. It, sometimes it may be 100 or 150 words. And you'll get points back to spend on your player. And you can improve your player's shooting. You can improve your player's skating. Um, it, it's all up to you. And uh, there will be people who will... Uh, advise you on what some of the better stats are because it's it's easy as a new person to not really know, especially if you've never played FHM before. Yep. You may not know exactly how these things actually work. Um, but, you know, you have total freedom to develop your player how you want. Find a niche. You know, you want to be a grinder, good for you. Um, yeah. You want to be a dangler. You want to be a high-flying scorer. You know, that that'll you can make that happen. And uh, do you, you want know, to be a goon? Do you want to be a goalie? Do you want to be that. a goon? Do you want to be a goalie? Um, and you know, you can also take your development at your own pace. No mm -hmm. one's asking you to do everything. You can be a very casual earner and only do, you know, not necessarily a bare minimum, but you can just keep things casual, keep things light, and still have a very enjoyable and potentially, you know, cup winning career. You don't, it's, it's really what you make of it. Um, but that being said, no, not really any McDavid's right out of the gate. So you may spend, you know, two, three, maybe even four seasons in, in the J. And uh, in, in our timeline, a season is about, we've That's narrowed it down to about a nine-week real-life schedule. We do um, a four-week regular season. We do a two-week playoff run. And then we have about three weeks where we go through our off-season stuff. So we have um iihf tournaments we have a world juniors tournament mm -hmm. we have our drafts we have our draft lottery which i'm actually about to do later on tonight we do um all-star games we do all you know prospect tournaments for that people who have yet to join a team and yeah. get their first taste of what it's like to to, to play with other players that is a great point, Finn. And I think one thing that a lot of our community members really thoroughly enjoy is the true authentic draft experience. And there's other communities online that have role-playing games like the Simulation Hockey League that are maybe in other sports. But um, the SHL offers a true authentic live draft experience. And it can be a pain for the managers and the, the head office to run and, and orchestrate to deal with general managers like myself. But, um, you know, GMs like me, we are doing our research before the draft so we have our own draft boards and there is a draft clock that we need to adhere to and when another general manager makes a pick i'm going into my boards and i'm crossing out well shit i really wanted to target that guy he really fit my what my team needed but unfortunately somebody else picked him so now i gotta go further down my board it's an authentic draft experience and you get to go through that not once but twice you're gonna go through it with the juniors draft you're gonna go through it with the shl draft and you're going to be going through those scouting conversations. If you ever played EA NHL games, and, and as terrible as the be a pro mode is, you know you go through those pre-draft interviews. How do you describe your game? 
you know, that type of stuff. But it's a little less focused on the on ice stuff and more about, you know, who are you as a person? How do you fit into our group culturally? Because you never want to bring in somebody that's not a good fit for you. And, uh, you know, it's really kind of interesting to see how some of the teams have developed to have individual personalities. And and there's kind of like a bucket in which people fit in. Um, but, uh, but yeah, um, we're running out of time here, Finn. Um, I really appreciate you jumping on with me here to talk about the Simulation Hockey League. Any kind of closing thoughts before before you wrap up? Oh, man. Um, well, I, I can say that, you know, what, what you said about the draft is I, I don't think we really, I don't think we really step back and give ourselves the, uh, the props that we all deserve for, I mean, we put in a ton of effort to make a, a live draft experience really happen. I mean, this is not a pre-recorded or predetermined kind of thing. These picks are happening in real time. You're finding out within probably seconds of being picked that that's the team you're going to and all of your classmates are they're finding out the same thing there's live trades going on it's it's really an incredible thing and it lasts you know two or three or you know hopefully not too much longer but several hours (laughs) kind of like a real draft i mean it's 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 an event for sure and um you know all i've got to really say aside from that is it's it's been a really incredible experience in the league for me because it, from my personal um, perspective, I've seen it from pretty much every angle you can see it from. And I've met thousands of people, whether I had one word that I ever said to them or whether they're one of my best friends now, there's just so many great people that have come through. I'm so thankful that I've been able to be a part of this and keep this thing going. And uh, I hope that if you're listening right now, you give us a chance and, uh, you know, we'll see you on the SHL. We're at simulationhockey.com. Um, and from there, you know, you'll you'll find our discords and everything like that. But, uh, yeah, thank you for having me on today. Yeah, definitely. And, and for those that don't know, um, I'm, I'm obviously ace. You know me by ace. Uh, I'm ace in, in the SHL as well, GM of the Winnipeg Aurora. Um, Finn is one of the wonderful players in the twilight of his career on my team now, actually, as we chase another uh, Challenge Cup here for the Aurora. So, um, yeah, it's been great having you on. We'll probably have you on again in the future as we continue to talk about this. <coughs> Pardon me. Uh, if anybody has any questions about the SHL, uh, feel free to tag me. I'm happy to answer those. And, uh, yeah, we would love to have you join. Um Finn, thanks so much for joining, talking a little bit of SHL. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Thank you for having yeah. me, man. Absolutely. We'll talk again soon. Absolutely. Cheers. Cheers. Excellent. That was a, uh, a really fun conversation with Finn. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did talking about it. Um, yeah, so uh, Bruins are still tied in the third period as we are, or, or third period, in the first period <laughs> as we are, uh, you know, recording this. Um, oh my god, Charlie Coyle almost had a decent opportunity there. Um, before we wrap, I, I, I just want to kind of share to the listeners, Tommy, you know, a little bit more about you know, kind of what you do. And, and you said you're in North Carolina, you know, how, how did you get into hockey? Tell, tell us kind of a little bit more about your story. So, I'm originally from New Jersey, so hockey's just been... I'm sorry, yeah, I mean, I don't miss it up there. I had to go up there. And... <laughs> june or july and i was like you know what as great as the food was up here and i miss it i'm ready to leave but no i'm originally from there 
Uh, hockey's just mm. always been, you know, just in my DNA. Like my dad was big into hockey, and that's pretty much how I got into hockey, going to games, and it was always on the TV and all that fun stuff. So, how did you become a Boston fan? So he would always go to he would he would go on a bunch of business trips to Boston, and he would always bring me back stuff. Mm. And a lot of the stuff that came back was. It was all Joe Thornton stuff. Like I was a big Joe. Th- I was a big <laughs> Joe Thornton because it was like every time he would go, it was like right when he got drafted, and then yeah. he would just he would just continually like bring stuff in, like you know afterwards, and yeah, it just I just always like followed the bees, and I mean I try to keep up with the bees as much as possible, living in the state of New Jersey, and uh, I've actually I was able to actually go see them a couple of times, like when I was living in New Jersey. That's awesome. That's just awesome. busted out, just busted out my vintage CCM Joe Thornton Bruins jersey for Tommy here. That this awesome. this this jersey, I have a photo of me wearing this for my eighth grade school photo. That's dope. Yeah, I don't That's fit awesome. in this anymore. I can't wear it anymore. But <laughs> hey, you still have it. I got it. I got it. Yeah, and then he, the first jersey I got too was like the OG Pooh Bear one. He he scored it. He scored it for free from some guy at work. And it was, I was like, okay, I was like, I hear you. So I finally got it like customized. It was like, I put Berger on the back of it, but nice. he always went to Boston, brought stuff back. So I've just kind of been a bees fan. I follow the devils because of him. That was, that was his team. So, but, and hockey, hockey's fun down here in the South, believe it or not. I mean, you go to Kane's games, they're like 50 to 60% Bruins fans. So it's kind of fun. It, It feels like a home game at times which is really fun, but hockey's growing in the South. So it's, it's, it's fun. You still have like, it's not, not the same obviously as being up North, but sure. Not, it's not a dying, it's not a dying breed down here either. Yeah. I mean, it, it, we've talked about the SHL on this episode uh, in one of my teams that I'm on the, the Winnipeg Aurora. I have a guy on my team and he's um, he actually lives in Raleigh oh, that's and awesome. he's always talking about, you know, he, he plays hockey and he's like, man, it is so hard to like find ice down here. It like is. there is a really good community that really enjoys and plays hockey yep. and it's rapidly growing. But, you know, the rinks that they do, I think they had they said that they have like seven rinks or something in yeah. the Raleigh area. Um, and the only ice time that's ever available is like late at night. And uh, it's hard to really kind of find time to get out there. But um, yeah, yeah the, the, is hard. Yeah, there's a lot of folks down there that love hockey and the you know, as much as I shit on the hurricanes and their stupid storm surge bullshit that they like to do, um, <laughs> they've done a great job of, of fostering hockey yeah. in um, you know, the the research tri- triangle or whatever it's called down there. Um, I confess, as a New Englander, I almost looked into selling my home and moving in that neck of the woods. Really? So, we actually were in contacts with a realtor and everything, and we had flights planned to go down there and check it out because we're so fucking tired of snow blowing and shoveling and stuff. I get it. But, uh, you know, ultimately we decided to hold off because of the interest rates. And I told my mom, I was like, by the way, we're going to probably move. My mom's like, no, you're not. You are not taking my grandchildren down to North Carolina when I live this close <laughs> to you. I was like, I, I really don't give a shit what your opinion is. I'm doing this for me and my family. But yeah, uh, yeah we, we still are very potentially interested in going down there at some point. I wanted to go somewhere that was not too hot, but warmer. Yeah. And I wanted to go somewhere that had an NHL barn. Yeah. So I could still go see the bees when they're in town. 
Yep. And um, they've, and they're they definitely put, so it's the not short like they're yeah. Anywhere. They just signed like that 25 year lease or whatever, and they're going to build stuff around it. And it, it's, it's fun. You know, they, they finally have fans back because they're good and whatnot. And, you know, but man, if you, yeah, that'd be, that'd be cool if you came down. You might like it. It gets cold enough. Like it still gets cold, but you don't get, you don't really get snow. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm a big beer guy. I, I work yep. at the local brewery up here and There's I have heard that garden. the beer scene down there it's, is it's fantastic. Great. They got a beer garden in Raleigh. It's good. They got like over a hundred beers on tap. It's amazing. That's excellent. Great. It reminds me, a place I went to in Tampa when I went to get to a Bruins game down there is they had this like outdoor pavilion oh, and, yeah. uh, just uh like tons of beers on tap a lot of tampa based breweries it was um i was by myself so i got properly sauced and i remember (laughs) the first half of the game i I don't remember what happened after that i ended up getting on one of those lime scooters and eating shit uh no no. i still have the scar on my shin and on my foot from that so i mean hey at least you got the memory and you took it with you but that's yeah dude that's I've got brutal. I've got a physical representation of the mistakes I made that night. So, um, all right. Well, Tommy, we I could chat with you for a while longer. Um, we try to keep our episodes to an hour here for the two pet stack audience. Um, it's been fantastic having you on and shooting the shit with you. Heck yeah. Um, I would love to have you on again. Yeah. Uh, can Can you share with the the listeners how they can find you uh, online and and keep up to date with all your stuff? Yeah. So. Uh, usually I'll pump out, you know, if I'm able to watch the Bruins games, I'll, I'll write about it. Brad Marchand. Oh, we scored after being outshot all period on a power play. Sorry. All right. Go ahead. Sorry. Now you can just find me on my Twitter. It's at TJ Bennett, three T's 37. Uh, I, I have like recently with primetime, uh, taken over, uh, like a primetime hockey uh, NHL account, just tweeting, you know, NHL related things, like whether it's news, just giving opinions, weird, nerdy, analytical stats, highlights. You know, if I'm able to watch the game, I'll try to cover it as much as possible. Mm. But that's, that's just kind of what I've been doing for primetime. Just kind of done a postpone on the podcast thing, but, you know, happy to be happy to be a guest and, you know, be able to contribute in any way I can, but that's where you can find me. Uh, love to interact with you. Put something out about that Bedard hit, and let me just tell you, I got a lot of ugly responses. <laughs> uh, yeah, people have opinions on it. Uh yeah, no, I've I've never gotten that much traction on a tweet ever, and uh, yeah, very mixed, very mixed crowd on that one, to say the least. <laughs> well. Uh, it's been great, Tommy. Um, who knows? Been... Maybe, maybe a a future as a reoccurring regular guest on the Two Pet Stack is in uh, is in the cards for you. And uh, thanks again for joining, the listeners. Thanks again for listening. I value you immensely. You mean a lot to us. We love you. Hugs and kisses. And uh, with that said, uh, we're gonna go ahead and sign off. And thanks for tuning in to episode twenty three of the Two Pet Stack, the Chris Peace. Kelly episode. That's right, Cage Man Kelly. Ha 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 ha